The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. God, how many are excited to be here? Yeah. Who would rather be here than in jail? Yeah. Someone shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's Word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. So uh, last week we uh, uh, ended uh, off talking about uh, where we are going. We ended a series that we titled uh, Understanding the Seasons and the Times, and we talked about how we are all going to get caught up and uh, how we are going to be presented before the Lord and be reunited with Him uh, if the Lord comes back in our lifetime. Amen. And that was fun. And uh, if you read in Scripture in Hosea chapter number 4, verse 6, uh, the Scripture there, this is God speaking. He said, my people perish because they uh, lack knowledge. And so one of the things that came out from that two-part series, you know, talking about where we are going and the seasons to come, uh, one of the really interesting things was how everyone thought that the end times are full of doom and gloom and we are all doomed and I'm going to be left behind and all that stuff. And uh, it was really awesome to see uh, people set free uh, from all of that. In fact, one uh, commentary that came uh, out of uh, our life group, at least, I don't know about yours, uh, was that someone said that they thought that when we get to heaven, uh, there's going to be a long queue, you know, carrying your bags like refugees, you know, and it's a, a, a long queue and it's a slow moving queue. And as you get to the front of the queue, uh, lo and behold, there's a big screen, bigger than this one, full HD, you know, uh, 3D, they give you the glasses, and right in front of you, uh, they're going to play your life out in front of everybody. I mean, a lot of Christians thought that that's what's going to happen in heaven. It's interesting how through ignorance you can literally take the inefficiencies of our government uh, to heaven. I mean, people were turning heaven into a home affairs office. Man, heaven is going to be better than our government inefficiencies, Amen. It's going to be quick. Even if it was that video thing, it was bam, 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 bam. But it's not going to be that video thing, okay? God loves us and he has uh, put our judgment on Jesus and it's, uh, it's liberating. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, man, there should be freedom. There should be liberty. There should be uh, a, a revelation that, you know, uh, brings enlightenment to these truths that, man, we, we and the Father are in good books. God is not mad at you. Uh, we have been reconciled because of what Jesus did at the cross. Amen? And so today we're starting a brand new uh, series, and uh, this one I, I titled it, uh, The Carefree Life, uh, or The Worry-Free Life uh, for Some. And uh, notice I didn't say the problem-free life. Did you notice that? I didn't say that. I said the what? The worry-free life. Because what Jesus promises us uh, in the midst of all the life challenges and life storms 
uh, that are raging all around us is a life of peace. Uh, Jesus never promised us a problem-free life. As long as you're on this side of the world, man, it's going to be problems all over. It's going to be problems every day. But here's the truth is that in the midst of all those life challenges and all those problems, you can have peace. You can have the peace of God uh, that surpasses all understanding. Amen? Uh, our peace is not... De- dependent on circumstances. Our peace is not dependent on what's going on around us. Our peace is dependent on what Jesus uh, uh, did for us at the cross and who Jesus is. He is the Prince of Peace, and He is the same, watch this now, yesterday, today, and forever. So you can have a constant peace if you realize some of the truths that we're going to be sharing uh, in this series. Can I get an amen? And so before we start, we're going to look at a few uh, statistics that I think might interest you as we go through this series. We're going to try and bring it to where we're at because someone may be thinking, why do you have to talk about that in the church? The first thing is uh, Jesus had something to say about it, and that's why we talk about it. The Apostle Paul had something to say about it. Uh, The Apostle Peter also had something to say about it, about this worry-free life, this carefree life, uh, this life. Uh, of freedom and this life of peace. Amen? I said amen. Amen. And so according to this uh, Society of Psychiatrists of South Africa, uh, they say this. They say the next uh, pandemic in South Africa uh, might be uh, around stress and anxiety. And this is what they say. They say this time last year, 2020, this time last year, the World Health Organization approximated that one person in the world commits suicide every 40 seconds. South Africa's suicide rate is in the top 10 highest figures globally, with 8,000 people committing suicide every year due to stress and anxiety. And so we're going to be dealing with worry, stress, and anxiety. We're going to be showing you through Scripture the antidotes uh, 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 for that, and we're going to be showing through Scripture how you can counter worry. Amen? Because it's going to try and uh, come and latch itself on you. But if you know uh, the the, the things we're going to be sharing from the Word of God, it's going to help you counter worry. Amen? Here's another statistic. It says as many as one uh, in six South Africans suffer from anxiety, depression, or substance abuse problems. And this does not include more serious conditions such as bipolar disorder or schizophrenia. This is according to the South African Depression and Anxiety Group, uh, also known as SADAG. So what they're saying is one in six uh, persons uh, suffers from anxiety, depression, uh, which leads to substance uh, abuse, uh, alcohol abuse, all kinds of abuse uh, happen when uh, uh, people uh, let, they just allow anxiety and depression to run away with it. Amen? And uh, here's another statistic that's also going to interest you. About $2 billion U.S. dollars, that's a lot of money, $2 billion U.S. dollars is spent in the world around issues of worry, stress, and anxiety. So from sleeping pills, uh, people need pills to go to sleep. They need pills to wake up. They need pills to stay up. Hey. Amen? And so people are plagued with this thing called worry. And so we have to talk about it, and we have to show you through Scripture so that you can be set free from it. Someone say amen. amen. See, some of you are worried right now. You're worrying about what you're going to eat for lunch. And some of you are worrying about what I'm going to say next. (laughs) But don't worry. Be happy. Amen. Amen. 
So let's look at what Jesus, the Christ, the one whom you call Lord, had to say about the issue. So let's go quickly now to Matthew chapter number 6, uh, verse 25. And I'm not trying to condemn anybody. You're looking at a man who used to be a master warrior. Notice I didn't say warrior, I said warrior. I mean, I was a master warrior. I could worry in a four-part harmony. You know, soprano, alto, tenor, and bass. I could worry in a four-part harmony. Man, I could worry about things uh, uh, that haven't even happened. I could worry about, I could go 10 years ahead of time and start worrying about it. Man, I could go to 2050. I was an expert at worry. So I'm not trying to condemn you. Because I've been there, I've done that. Amen? But when I found out what I'm going to share with you this morning, I tendered in my resignation from worry. I haven't worried uh, for the last 10 years. I don't know what worry is. I haven't worried, tendered in my resignation, told them never to call me again. I'm not signing up. I'm not coming back to that place. I'm done with that life. And when you learn the things that we're going to read, that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, had to say about it, I believe this is going to set you free. Hallelujah. And this is what Jesus said, Matthew 6, 25. Are you there? I'm reading in the New King James Bible. He says, therefore, I say to you, uh, let's read the next uh, six words together. Ready, read. Therefore, I say unto you, ready, read. Do not worry about your... Listen, it doesn't get more plain or much plainer than that. I mean, he just cut to the chase and told you like it is, don't worry about your life. Amen? Do not worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, no, about your body, what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. So right off the bat, Jesus says, man, don't worry about your life. And then he says, you know, he lists the things that you shouldn't worry about, uh, what you should drink, what you should eat, or what you should put on. He basically wanted to cover everybody. Uh, he covered the man, what you should uh, eat. You know, don't worry about it for the man, what you're going to eat, and for the women, uh, what you're going to put on. Because, you know, ladies worry too much about, you know, clothes. You get a wedding invite, the first thing they say is, man, I'm worried about what I'm going to wear to that wedding. He says, don't worry about what you're going to put on. Get a wedding invite. My wife came to me. said, man, I don't know what I'm going to wear to this uh, wedding. I went and I opened a closet. And I'm always chock full of clothes. I went and I opened my closet, side of the closet, chock full of hair clothes. And I went and I opened up the visitor's room closet, chock full of clothes. I was like, man, there's a lot of clothes to wear here. But here's the deal is that people have a tendency to want to worry about things. And Jesus makes it plain. He says, is not life worth more than the body is not a, 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 a life worth more than the food. Is not your body worth more than the clothes? In other words, the first thing Jesus is saying is, we, if you're going to defeat worry, you have to have a different perspective. You have to have a heavenly perspective. You have to know what's important. Life is more important than food. And your, your body is more important than the clothes you wear. Yeah. 
So we have to have perspective. The first thing you need if you're going to defeat this spirit of worry, and unfortunately, it's a sneaky spirit. It goes to everybody. It does not segregate. It goes to the clergy in the pulpit. It goes to the people in the pews. It goes to the people in the streets. It goes to everybody. This spirit that I'm talking about will attempt to latch itself onto you as well. No one is excluded. But what we need, the first thing we need is to have a perspective of what's important. Hallelujah. I remember a few years ago, we have two uh, 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 girls. The other one is eight. The other one is five. And so when we were going overseas, uh, these two girls came to us and they said, yeah, uh, uh, mom and dad, we want you to bring us LOL dolls. Now, if you don't know anything about LOL dolls, you're safe. Your wallet is safe. Man, these little things are expensive. This little doll like this, man, this little doll costs a lot of money. And so we went and bought two little LOL dolls, uh, and we gave them to them. When we came back, and uh, they went to play with their new toys, and, uh, you know, I was sitting, you know, doing something, working on the computer or something. And then I heard uh, the younger one burst out crying. I mean, it was hysterical. She starts crying, ah! And she starts running down, coming to me, crying. And man, I'm thinking, what's wrong? What could be wrong? And it turned out that the head of the little LOL doll had uh, uh, come off the the body. And so what I did is I took the little doll and I popped the head back. And then I went on to say to her, I don't think all of that drama was necessary. And now here's the deal, is that sometimes when heaven looks at the things, when God is looking at the things that worry you and that you are crying about, and that make you lose sleep at night, the things that wake you up at night, God is just looking at it like, man, this is just an L. Just pop the head back onto the little thing and get on with life. It's all about perspective. Amen. And when you have a heavenly perspective, you're going to stop worrying. And so Jesus cuts to the chase and he says, don't worry. And the first thing he teaches us is that if you have perspective, you're going to defeat that spirit of worry. Hallelujah. And he says in verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. They are not productive, right? He says, yet your heavenly father. Someone say heavenly father. He says, yet your heavenly father feeds them. And he says, are you not of more value than they? Man, he says, if you look at the birds, they don't go to work. They don't have uh, 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 storerooms like us. They, they don't have a covenant relationship with God. Yet God feeds them. I've never seen a starving bird. In fact, it's a testimony. Every time you feel like you're uh, getting ready to worry about food, just go outside. If you see the bird still eating, then there's something for you. Then God is going to feed you too. Amen? I said amen. And so he says, look at the birds. God takes care of them. Uh, in fact, he didn't call him God. God is God. He's God Almighty. But Jesus uses a, a, a term that carries endearment, if you will. It carries a connection, intimacy. He says, your heavenly father. And so God is God. He's the God of the universe. But for you and me, it goes beyond than that. For you and me, he's our father. And he's even put a spirit of adoption, a spirit of sonship on the inside of us, whereby we can cry out what? Abba, Father. We can call him Daddy. Hallelujah. And that word, Father, if you look it up, that word, Father, is the Greek word, pater, which means nourisher. It means provider, and it also means protector. 
That's that word, Father. That's what it means. God is your nourisher. Say that out loud. God is my nourisher. That's where the name uh, El Shaddai comes from. It means God, our nourisher. Amen? God is the one that nourishes you. Praise God. Someone shout, God is my provider. Someone shout, God is my protector. And when you realize that you have a heavenly father who really is your nourisher, is your provider, and is your protector, you're going to defeat worry. Because I have a father. Now watch this. He's a good father. We were singing songs about him, right? What did we say? He's a what? He's a good, good father. Good to the power too. Amen. He's better than an earthly good father. You know, I've heard people say this. I've heard people say this. You know, we go out to uh, men's meetings, and then, you know, uh, when men get together, we get a little soft, and we're crying, and we're hugging, and we're just, oh, you know. And, and the true story. When men get together, we get to, you know, open up a little and just kind of, you know, have this brotherly thing going, and we say, and some people come, and they say, man, I have father issues because I never had a good dad, or my dad was not present, and therefore I have a hard time connecting with the Heavenly Father and relating with them. And then there are some who say, man, I had a good father, so therefore I can relate uh, with my heavenly father. Man, that's, that's all El Gabaj. Even if you had a good father here on the earth, he has no match for your heavenly father. What your earthly good father did, God calls it level, evil. He says if you're, you evil fathers know how to give good gifts to your children. When a father gives good gifts to their children, God calls that, you know, just, just come on. God is extravagantly good. Amen? Amen. We can't comprehend his goodness. He's awesome. And he's a good, good father who is not absent. Sometimes we treat him like like an absent father. Have you ever heard these people pray? Man, you feel like they're praying to an absent father. Evidently, they're praying to an absent father. Because they're calling him from far. Oh, father, we're calling you. And God is here. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. Amen. And so when you have this revelation that he is your heavenly what? Father, uh, which connotes relationship, uh, I mean, it defeats worry. There's a Bible verse uh, in Matthew 23, I believe, verse 9. Let's read it. Let's read it quickly. Uh, Matthew 23, verse 9. It confuses a lot of people because this is what it says. Matthew 23, uh, verse 9. Watch what it says. It says, do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father who is in heaven. And so when I read this verse, I remember many, many years ago, I was getting ready to go and tell my dad, hey, dude, from today onwards, True story, because I wanted to obey the Bible, right? But what this scripture is saying is, do not call any man on the earth your nourisher. Do not call any man on the earth your protector, because man can't protect you. Do not call any man on the earth your provider. Because it's ultimately, so he don't care whether you call your father, father on the earth. As long as in your mind you're not thinking he's the one that's going to nourish you and protect you and provide for you. Because it's our heavenly father that gets to do that. Amen. He's our father. He's our good, good father. He's not absent. 
Let me talk to some of you who are fathers and mothers. This is going to apply. How many of you would be blessed if you drove back, you know, to your house as you're pulling up uh, on your garage, you see your uh, children sitting outside, twiddling their thumb, looking all sad and stuff, and then you, you know, go on and ask them, hey, what's going on? What's wrong? And they say to you, man, we're just worried about what we're going to eat tonight. How many of you who are parents would say, oh, man, that's bl that blessed me? Hallelujah. He is a responsible child. How many of you do that? None of you would do that. In fact, if you did that, uh, they will come and take away your child. Social services will come and take away your child because you're a bad parent. But here's the truth is that if, you, if that ever happened to you, the first thing you would do as a parent is that you would look at yourself. And say, wait a minute. Why is my child thinking that I'm not going to provide dinner for them tonight? What have I done wrong? And that's what happens when you are worried all the time, you are anxious all the time. It's a, it's a message you are sending to your heavenly father, and it's, it's not a good message. Hallelujah. And so you and I have a father. Jesus shared a story in Luke 15. Uh, it's commonly known as the story of the prodigal son. I'm just trying to show you uh, the, the true nature of our heavenly father. It's commonly known as the story of the prodigal son. You remember that story? Uh, uh, that's what the translators called it. They called it the story of the prodigal son. Jesus never gave it a title. And therefore, I can give it a new title. So the new title for that story is the story of the good, good father. Because in that story, Jesus wasn't trying to point your attention to how evil the younger son was. He was trying to point your attention to how good your heavenly father is. And so a lot of people have been sidetracked by focusing on the prodigal son. And so Jesus shared the story, and he was talking to the legalistic Jews and the, and the sad, you see, the guys who were sad, you see. And then he was talking to them, and he said, okay, there was this man, he had two sons, and the younger one came to his father, and he said, Dad, I would like to receive my inheritance right now while you're still alive. Now, you must understand, Jesus is sharing this story uh, with the legalistic Jews, and they're listening to this story, and the minute he said that, that there's a younger son who came and said, I want to receive my inheritance uh, right now, I mean, the, 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 the story was off. For them, because essentially what the younger son was saying is, Dad, you're not dying soon enough. And so for these guys, they're listening to that story and thinking, man, this younger son must be crazy. In fact, if you read the historic alternatives of that story, uh, the commentaries say while they were listening, some of them would start shouting, abomination, abomination. Some of them would start picking up stones saying, man, that younger son needs to be stoned. And so Jesus took it a step further. He said not only did he ask for his inheritance while the father was alive, he went on to take all of that loot, that money, to a far country. Now to a Jewish mind, are you crazy? And he joined himself to the nations, to the Gentiles, to the citizens of that nation. Now by this time, historic alternatives tell you that the uh, Jewish legalists were pulling hair from their beard. I mean, they are now angry. Some of them are saying, hey, speed it up and get to the part where he gets stoned because we know what's coming for him. Got to be stoned. So speed it up, Jesus. Let's get to that part. And then Jesus takes it even further. He says uh, when he got to that country, joined himself to the citizens of that country, he wasted all of that substance through riotous living. 
I mean, it would have been better if he had wasted the substance through bad investment. No, he says he wasted it through riotous living. You know what that looks like? Hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh. Man, he wasted all of that money putting. It was terrible. And so by this time, I mean, this young son is no one in his corner. He's a bad kid. Is it cold in here? I see people getting Why don't you turn it off? This is... It's winter, though, so, you know, we're just conditioning you for what's coming. Praise the Lord. And so Jesus says this. He said he wasted all of that substance through riotous living. And after he had lost everything, uh, he went and got himself a job. Now, for any of you who've ever visited, you know, your grandparents or your parents uh, in the village, you know this, that, you know, looking after cows is for the first class. You know, look, looking after goats is a little tough because, I mean, you're running around following them. But looking after pigs is for the law class. I mean, Jesus is making a point. Now, to a Jewish mind, pigs is an unclean animal. And Jesus is making a point. And he says this kid went and got himself the worst of the worst. For a job, and not only that, every now and again you'd feel like eating the same things that the uh, pigs were eating. And so, when did the turnaround come? The turnaround came when this guy uh, uh, started thinking about the revelation of a good father. He said this He said, Even in my father's house, his servants live a better life than this. If my father takes care of the servants, surely he'll take care of me. What got him to start thinking different was not how strict his dad was. What got him to start thinking different was the goodness of the father. And if you read in Romans 2 verse 4, it says it is the goodness of God that will lead men to repentance. You want to see people get born again by the thousands? Don't preach how angry God is. Start telling them how good a heavenly father God is. He said, therefore, I'm going to go back to my father, and this is what I'm going to say to him. I'm going to say, Dad, why don't you let me into your household? But this time around, because I've, I've wronged you, why don't you let me in as one of your uh, uh, hired servants? I'm, you know, I don't want to be a son. And he's trekking back. He's going back home, and he's thinking about this new business deal that he's going to propose to his father. And this is what the Bible says. It says, while he's walking back home, his father saw him afar off. Now, for his father to have seen him afar off, it means his father... Uh, was scoping the horizon, sitting on the veranda or the patio, uh, looking into the horizon uh, 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 in anticipation uh, of the return of his son. And that's the heart of God for the nations. He's not willing that any should perish. He's looking and he's giving us more time so we can evangelize and empty hell so we can bring them over into the kingdom. But the way we evangelize is by telling them that there is a good, good father who's waiting for you to come home. And now this is what messed up the Jewish legalistic minds. This is what he said. He said after the father being wronged and uh, the father being, uh, 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 what happened? What, what, What did I do? Why y'all laughing at me? Oh. Man, I'm, y'all, man. 
So he says, this is what Jesus says. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, man, if I say something wrong, that's offensive. Please tell me. Yeah, I don't want to get into trouble, right? <laughs> and so Jesus said this to the, to the legalistic Jews. This is awesome. Jesus said to, to the legalistic Jews, the father took off running. Now, that will mess your religious mind. The father had been wronged. Listen, the father is the one who had given away the inheritance, wasted through righteous living. The father had no business to take off running. The father, if I was the father, I would have been chilling, sulking. You come back home, man, you sit, you sit down, you tell us what happened. No, 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 not our heavenly father. You see why I'm telling you that our heavenly father is infinitely greater than you earthly fathers. Good ones even. He says he took off running, went and hugged him. At this time, this brother hadn't even, probably hadn't even taken a shower in many days. He probably smells like pig, probably hasn't shaven. And the father disregarded all of that, hugged him and kissed him. Say, take off these rags off of him. Put on some royal robes on him. He says, take that ring of sonship and watch what he did. He put it back onto his finger instantly and restored him back to sonship instantly. And so when we say you have a heavenly father, this is what we're talking about. We have a heavenly father who loves you unconditionally. We have a heavenly father who's reaching out for you. He's reaching out for you. I used to think prayer was an adventure to try and convince an unwilling, disinterested deity sitting in heaven. Uh, after all, he has the world to run. He must be busy to worry about me. So when I pray, I must try and manipulate. I must try and, you know, uh, offer him something, a cookie or something, so that he can move on my behalf. So I would say things like, God, if you give me this job, I'm going to be at church every Sunday. God, if you do this for me, because I'm looking at him like he's disinterested. Well, let me tell you, child of God, you don't even have to pray when you realize you have a heavenly father. You don't pray for food. God already knows what you are in need of, and he has already gone ahead of you and provided for them. And when you have a heavenly father, your prayers will be filled with thank yous, not pleases. Man, a prayer of faith is filled with thank yous. Because when I looked there, I, I was about to pray for food, but it's already there. Thank you, Lord. When I look over there, I was about to pray for health, but it's already over there. Thank you, Jesus. So a prayer of faith is filled with more gratitude and thank yous than askings. He's your heavenly father. The Bible says this about you. I used to think God was disinterested until I read this verse. He says he knows the very number of hair on your head. He's talking about God is personal with you. Amen? I mean, here is one of the most consistently, constantly changing things on your body. You're either getting some <laughs> or you're losing some. <laughs> when I remember when I started losing hair, I mean, I did every trick. I went on YouTube. They told me you must now start combing forwards <laughs> so you can move the hairline back. I used to have a hairline. And when I tell people that, they don't believe it. They're like, Master, you know, just no, no hairline, Pastor. You, you need surgery. <laughs> Get some hair back. In fact, my daughter, my younger one, came to me yesterday. 
And uh, we were just playing and hanging out at the house. She came to me yesterday, and my wife was there watching. She said, Daddy, when you were younger, could you do a backflip? I said, man, I could do three backflips in one go. She was like, can you do it now? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness, man, I just started crying. I was like, man, I'm 40. Leave me alone. (laughs) And so you and I have a heavenly father. Someone shout, I have a heavenly father. And I have a relationship with me. Praise God. Someone shout, he's my nourisher. He's my protector. He's my provider. This is awesome. He protects you and your family. He protects you and your household. It will stop worry in its tracks. Praise God. Is that me? Okay. Let's go now to, uh, back to Matthew 6. We're going to read verse 27. Verse 27. Are you, are, you, are you keeping up? You're still here? You haven't gone home? Verse 27. Listen to this. Which of you, by worrying, Jesus gets practical with it. He says, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? In other words, which of you, by worrying, can grow taller? I used to like playing basketball. You know, growing up, we used to play basketball. And my prayer uh, growing up was, Lord, I need, I need height. Because I wanted to dominate on the court. And if you, ha- you have height, you can dunk on people. You can, you know, uh, turn and do all kinds of things on the basketball court. Uh, Jesus is saying uh, that height is not going to come through worrying. In other words, there's no benefit in worrying. Jesus gets really practical with this. He says you're not going to get any benefit. No one has ever stumbled into a, a creative idea worrying. You know, pastor, I was just minding my own business at the house worrying, and then I stumbled into this great innovative idea. No, no. Worry saps you of the energy to be creative. Worry stops the flow of dopamine, the, the chemical that is responsible for creativity. Worry will put you in an embryotic position and it will just stifle all the dreams that God has put on you and uh, that God has for you. Man, worry is a terrible spirit. If you read in Mark chapter number 4, he even says worry has the power to stop God's word from being fruitful. He said uh, of the thorny ground, he said the thorny ground was the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this world. And the last of other things entering in choked the word. Worry has the potential to choke your God-given dreams. Man, worry is not your friend. Amen? Amen. And so we need to be serious when it comes to what I'm talking about uh, this morning. You need to be intentional about defeating this spirit of worry. And so when it comes, what do you do? You focus on your heavenly father and how good he is and the promises that he has given you. God is faithful. He's faithful to do what he said he will do. If he said he's going to feed you, guess what? He's going to be, you may as well light the bride stand. Amen. If he said he's going to provide for you, you may as well get excited. God is a good, good father. And so Jesus said, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? You're not going to grow. You're not going to get any benefit from worrying. I remember, man, way back uh, when I had finished my uh, university and I was looking for a job. 
And man, I, you know, the enemy, here's what happens when you worry. Here's what happens. This is very important. Uh, what happens is when you start worrying, it's almost like putting together, a, 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 you know, when you put together a birthday party, it's almost like putting together a party and, and you have invited the demons to attend that party. When you, when you worry. I remember I would sit around uh, the house and then, you know, worry would come and latch itself on me and I'm starting to think, man, it was one month, I tried to apply, get a job, nothing. Two months, three months, four months, five months, six months. I started to worry, man. Man, I started to have all kinds of worrying uh, thoughts. You're not going to get a job. They don't want you. They don't want people like you. What makes you think they're going to get you? They don't want you. Man, you are a loser. You know, I'm worrying, right? You are a loser. You're not going to get another. You're not going to get a job. You're not going to be able to get married. Especially you, because you like classy, uh, beautiful women. And right now you're broke. <laughs> this is what the demons are saying to a party. The, I put the party together myself. They would come, I invited them. You know, that's what happens when you're worrying and they come speaking to you. Say, man, you like classy, beautiful women. Uh, 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 she, may, she may want DSTV. Can you afford it? <laughs> and then I start checking. I'm like, man, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. And then before you know it, it's 36 degrees Celsius outside. I'm on the sofa with a two-in-one. Anybody know a two-in-one blanket? I'm on the sofa with a two-in-one blanket in an embryotic position. Worry paralyzes you. That's what it does. Amen? And so this is a serious matter that we are dealing with. Can I get an amen? And so Jesus says, which of you by worrying can add one cubit uh, to his uh, stature? In fact, I had Loiso earlier on in the first service, and I want to share what he said. I wanted, the reason I'm saying that he was in the first service is when I bring up the story, I don't want you to think I'm name-dropping. <laughs> when I asked him in the first service if I could share the story, he said, yeah, you could share the story. So it's not just, you know, sometimes you drop a name, people say, oh, he just, he just name-dropped. <laughs> no, he was here, okay? And so Loiso Bala, he was here, and he, he, we went out for lunch on Wednesday with Uncle Abe, and this is what he said. He said, man, now he's studying the, the word of grace and his, the message of the gospel and so on and so forth. So we went out for lunch and he looked at me. He said, man, and now I, I'm, I'm, only now I'm starting to understand you. Because this is what he said. He said, man, you were so calm. I used to think that it's arrogance. He said, because, my man, the storms are raging around us and this guy is just chilled. I used to think this guy must be arrogant not to notice what's going on around. And now that same thing is on him. Lashed itself on him. Now he's peaceful around storms and he's like, man, this thing is good. It's contagious. It's all over his family now. When you start studying the message of grace, man, there's a supernatural peace that's going to come on you. And you're not rattled by circumstances. When we, uh, uh, the president announced that we were going into level five, uh, lockdown. I mean, we would get uh, often. We would get on to Zoom calls with pastors in our communities, and I mean, everybody's crying. Oh, we cry. Oh, this is the end. Oh, man, I'm sitting there thinking, man, I don't want to be on this call. <laughs> you know why? Because I'm excited yeah. about lockdown level five. I'm excited. I'm thinking, man, this is good breeding ground for a revival. Because Scripture tells us in Romans 5:20, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. 
It tells us that when, the, when there's darkness, we get to be the, sh- the, 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 the light that shines the glory of the Lord. So I'm getting excited. My sermons, if you remember my sermons, I mean, I was preaching. I was like, man, let's go forward. This is going to be awesome. And guess what? Because of that attitude, God opened up this new world for us digitally where we are now able to broadcast our, our services online. Before that, it was an afterthought. I mean, we weren't even thinking about it. That testimony you saw today came as a result of lockdown level five we were forced into innovation through that and the reason why we ended up into that place of innovation was because we didn't have a negative attitude we didn't worry about it we had perspective amen and man a revival broke out and we've been in the midst of a revival uh, ever since lockdown level i like it when the president said you're not allowed to meet anymore i like it and let me tell you why i like it because I get to have Catholics on the broadcast. Hello. Man, I get to have all kinds of people on the broadcast. Because they can't go to their church and their church is not broadcasting. The unbelievers are bored because they've watched all the series. Uh, and, you know, they're tired. then looking for something else different. They get to join us for praise and worship. Oh, these people sing nice. Oh, they sing well. Oh. Oh, yeah, that pastor. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, I would like to receive Jesus as my personal. Now, my brother-in-law brought a bunch of his friends last week, uh, six of them, and all of them started watching online. Praise God. Lockdown level five got them bored. They were looking for something to watch, and they came to our broadcast. It's been a revival. Walked to the gym the other day. Uh, uh, someone came to my wife, said, man, now I know where I know you from. Says, where? Says, I watch your church all the time. And then she went on to say, uh, uh, on YouTube, I'm only subscribed to two channels, and you are one of them. The pressure. (laughs) The pressure was strong. (laughs) The pressure was strong. (laughs) And then this one was classic. She was at work, you know, Zoom call, and then they do breakaway things. And then she was uh, 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 sent into a breakaway room with one lady from work. And then they did what they were supposed to do, like an icebreaker or whatever. And then the lady was like, hey, listen, I know you. This is a person who works, you know, with it. I know you from where? Oh, I watch your church all the time online. My husband loves your church. We're going to come visit, you know, one of these days. I'm smiling. I'm like, man, bring another level five. (laughs) Praise God. I'm no, no pressure. You see, when you have this revelation, if life throws lemons at you, you can go on YouTube, learn how to make marmalade, and then spread that sucker on a piece of bread, squeeze some of that thing in a a cup of rooibos tea, and have yourself a party. There's no complaining when you have this revelation. Thirteen people uh, through this revival, thirteen people in the last weeks received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of uh, praying in other tongues. Yesterday, thirty-two people got baptized. It was a big party. Heaven was rejoicing with us in the middle of a global pandemic. Man, stop worrying. Hunt your neighbor and say, "Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy." Verse twenty-eight. So why do you worry? 
man, my time, my time is almost up. Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Uh, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into an oven, will he not much more? Someone say much more. <laughs> he says, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Worry is a faith issue. You either, you either have faith in your problems or you have faith in God's ability. Which one is it going to be? That's all worrying is. You have faith in your problems' ability to destroy you. Or you have faith in your heavenly Father to do what he says he will do. Every time you worry, it's a faith issue. Who are you putting your faith in? So when they say, you know, uh, 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 COVID-19, COVID you know, COVID-19, I was sure to focus myself onto the Lord and put my confidence onto the Lord. And we, I mean, we carried on like it's normal. You know why? Because our focus was uh, onto the Lord. And his ability, he's a heavenly father, right? Uh, part of his job is to protect us. And I know he's not going to drop the ball. The Bible says he neither sleeps nor slumbers. So he's going to be on it. So I can travel and do what I need to do in the ministry, knowing that I have God's protection. No worry. No worries here. Man, I stopped worrying a long time ago. And so Loiso, did I tell you what he said? He said, man, you're so calm in the midst of a storm. And I used to think it's arrogance. Man, all of us in here can start living a calm, cool, and collected lifestyle. Just chill out. Just, you know, just, yeah. I know I'm in minus 300 rand, but yeah. <laughs> it's going to be all right. As long as I got God, I'm good. See, a lot of people look at us in the ministry and they don't understand the pressure uh, that comes with being in the ministry and stuff. And they, man, they just kind of, you know, uh, uh, downplay it and stuff. I mean, it, it's crazy pressure. It's crazy. Dillard would tell you, man. I mean, when we started, I mean, we were, we were, we were like minus 50,000 at some times. And I mean, I would get paid on the, on the 46. So we're not talking about everything around you is going to be perfect. There's going to be opposition. But you have to be determined in your heart that you're going to keep your eyes on him. Isaiah 26 verse 3. He says you shall have what? Perfect peace. If you keep your mind stayed on. He never said look around. He said keep your eyes uh, stayed on him. And so some of you at this stage, I'd like to believe that you have been convinced that uh, 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 you know, this, this worry-free life is a good deal. Anybody? Just, you know, I'm, I'm right on, Pastor. This is a good deal. Uh, but the question some of you may have is, okay, okay, I hear you. Uh, so if, if I stop worrying, uh, what am I going to do with my time? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to stop worrying. What am I going to do with my time? Jesus answered it in verse 33. This is what you can do with your time. Stop worrying, but seek first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be given and added unto you. And I have to quit because I'm out of time. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Man, next week we're going to continue. 
in the same breath. We're going to be looking at what the Apostle Paul had to say about it. This was Jesus, the Christ, our Lord, the one whom you call Savior. He's not making a suggestion. He's giving it as a command because he knows that you and I can do it. He knows that it is good for you and I. Amen. Part of enjoying uh, uh, divine health, part of enjoying uh, the promises of God and seeing the word of God uh, uh, come to fruition in our lives is to remove uh, this worry. And some of you worry about your businesses. Amen. Man, you need to get rid of that worry. Stop worrying about it. The Apostle Peter said you must turn it over to the Lord. You must have a worry uh, a bag collection where you just kind of throw them in there never to think about them again. In fact, I went to a Google meeting and uh, they said to us, uh, write down on a piece of paper uh, everything that you think might be a distraction in the, in the next class that we're going to go into. And while we're in there, I mean, people wrote all kinds of stuff and they said, now squash it. Squash that thing. Say, now throw it in the bin. Throw that thing and burn that sucker out. And they say, now you can focus. And that's what you must do with worry. Amen. As soon as it gets to you, turn it over to the Lord. All kinds of problems come with it. Man, I know people, some of you are thinking, well, when I get rich, I must stop worrying. I know rich people who worry about not losing their wealth. They worry about people around them because <laughs> they don't know whether the people are there for a genuine relationship or they're just there for the money. Stomach ulcers develop, can't keep a good meal down from worrying about all kinds of stuff. Man, God hasn't called you to live that way. Turn your cares over to the Lord. You have a heavenly father who wants to carry the burdens for you. Amen? I said amen. So we're going to make some declarations. And I want you to say it out of your mouth. Say, God is my source. He is my heavenly father. He provides for me everything that I need. Just like a good father, he anticipates the needs and I believe that he has already gone ahead of me and made provision for every single one of my needs. My life is safe. I'm protected because God, my heavenly father, is also my protector. A thousand will fall at my side. Ten thousand at my right hand side. But it will not come near me. It will not be to my destruction. In the name of Jesus. My life is protected. My family's life is protected. Anyone connected to me by blood, their lives are protected by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Man, as a parent, man, you can, you can have worry torment you. I remember dropping off my kids way back then uh, when I was a new parent. I'd drop them off at school and a thought would come to me. What if they fall off a jungle gym? What if someone bullies them? Oh, here's the reality. I ain't there. So I can't protect them. I wish I was there. 
Then I'll take care of it, right? And then, so we're going to need someone else to protect them. And thank God someone else has made their services available for all of us. And that's God. He's our Heavenly Father. He'll take care of your children, wherever they are. Some of you are going to have to send your children overseas to study. And if you're not careful, that thing will kill you. Just thinking about it, that thing will kill you. But if you turn, turn them over to the Lord and know that Jesus is the one that protects them, man, you're going you're gonna to have a good night's sleep. You're going to be just fine to get out the way and let God do his job. Amen? He's my nourisher. Someone shout, he's my nourisher. He's El Shaddai. The God that provides for me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can I pray for you guys? Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. Lord, we just thank you for these, your precious children. Lord, we thank you that today we sang that you are a good, good father. But beyond just being a song that we sing with a nice tune, Lord, I pray that for each and every person under the sound of my voice, it may be a revelation. It may be a revelation that they hold on to. That when the storms of life try to attack them, that when the problems at work, uh, problems in their marriage, problems with uh, their children... Uh, who do not follow instruction and listen to their counsel. Lord, I just thank you, Father, that in the midst of uh, any of these problems, in the midst of COVID-19 and uh, the global pandemic and all these things, Lord, I just pray, Father, that this revelation may give them peace, that this revelation uh, may turn their eyes uh, to you, Jesus. That is, they keep their eyes to you, there may be a peace that flows into their lives. A peace that will be an em empire of their soul. A peace that will just protect their minds, their soulish realm, even their body. Lord, we pray, Father, for we know that many uh, of the doctor's visits uh, are stimulated and activated by worry. Nothing really wrong uh, with their bodies biologically. And Father, we stop uh, all of that chemical imbalance that worry causes uh, that is causing them to have migraine headaches all the time. That is causing them to not be able to sleep at night. Uh, we arrest that spirit in its tracks in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the promise of Psalm 127. That to, to, to your beloved you have given them sleep. And so Lord, right now we declare sweet sleep. In the name of Jesus. They're not going to need any uh, aid to go to sleep. But Father, that standing on that promise is just going to release sleep in their lives. We rebuke right now uh, nightmares. We rebuke restlessness. We rebuke it in the name of Jesus. We rebuke vain imaginations. And Father, we thank you for your peace. That surpasses all understanding. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just like babies, just like children, these, your children, will begin to enjoy sleep. It's a new season from today onwards. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. And someone said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit 
faithhill.tv today. That's who